The following audio content is a talk given at the Inn, a college ministry of University Presbyterian Church in Seattle, Washington. For more information, please visit our website, theinnseattle.org. We invite you to join us each Tuesday at 9 p.m. on the corner of 16th and 47th in Seattle's U District. I want to welcome you here at the start of a new year. My name is Ryan Church, one of the guys on staff here. It's great to be back together. So encouraged that so many of you uh, came out uh, here at the beginning of the quarter, and I'm, I'm pretty excited about it. Before we move on in this task, a few things that I want to highlight, things that you've already heard, perhaps you already know about them. Uh, the first is to, to highlight these, these mission trips that were going on at uh, spring break. I get, I get to go back to the Dominican Republic. It's a trip that I enjoy going on every year. Rich relationships come out of it every year. It gives us the opportunity to go down, play a little ball together, go swimming in the waves, see what God's up to, and just, uh, just a great time. And I know the team that's going to Honduras is looking forward to doing the same thing. So particularly if you've never been on a missions trip before, I think the DR trip is an, is an awesome trip. And uh, if it's something that is, that as I'm up here talking about it, as, the, as the, uh, the folks that were up here earlier said, if it's even this interesting to you, I, w- I really want to encourage you to hop on board. Uh, it could be a game changer for you. Also, did you know that this church has been on, on this corner, worshiping on this corner for over 100 years? It's pretty cool to, to think about the legacy that even by showing up on a night like this, we're, we're a part of. And I want to invite you to uh, uh, worship with us on a Sunday as well. There's some cool things happening here. Uh, coming up, starting this week, uh, we're going we're gonna to kind of ditch the robes at 10 a.m. and, and uh, put some guitars in there and have a, a contemporary service in the morning. And all that means is, is that there's going to be some guitars up front. People like me will be wearing jeans instead of robes, which is nice. Robes are always a little bit awkward. Uh, so uh, come and, and if you're not watching the Seahawks game, come and worship with us on, uh, at 10 a.m. On, on Sunday. If not, you're in luck because we've also got a 6 p.m. service. That's the one uh, that I'll be at. It'll feel very similar to what we do here at the Inn, except it'll be down in our sanctuary. But if you want to come to Larson Hall beforehand, similar to Taco Tuesday, there will be a community dinner, which means for you, no cooking. No dishes, great fellowship, everyone's a winner, okay? So come and uh, join us for dinner either before or after worship uh, in the sanctuary. And then this is really cool. You see that 8.30 Vespers? Vespers is just a cool word for prayer service. And, and prayer, basically it's gonna be a sung prayer service. For those of you that have been to Compline at St. Mark's, there's probably a lot of you that have had that experience. We're gonna do something like that, similar uh, something very similar to that right here in the neighborhood in our sanctuary. Hey, feel free to bring a pillow and just kind of chill out, meditate, lay down in the aisles if you want to, um, or uh, just engage in prayer. Uh, Great opportunities to worship here in this community. I hope that that you will uh, come and and check out a very dynamic intergenerational community of faith. Uh, Come up and say hi uh, if if we bump into each other in the halls for sure. Okay. Uh, I hope your break was good. No doubt uh, I enjoyed my time away. Uh, A couple of highlights. Made it up to Whistler Blackcomb, BC in three days. Got about 75,000 feet of vert, 50 of it in powder. That was awesome. Yes, skiers and boarders, I'm awesome. Um, Then got to come back. uh, One of my sisters, I've got four younger sisters. 
Um, the one that's 10 years younger than me got married, and I got to do the wedding. That was a good time uh, out there on the Olympic Peninsula. And then one of the highlights for me was Christmas Eve here. I got to be in the family services, and every year I'm a wise man in the family services. And, and this year, I know, you guys shouldn't be laughing. I am, in fact, a wise man, Okay. <laughs> But this year, it was pretty fun because uh, what we did was we co-opted Gangnam style to Wiseman style. Worship Wiseman style. Hey, holy baby. Yeah, good stuff. Perhaps you haven't seen it on YouTube. There's a good reason for that. It has yet to go viral, but a good time. Not Gangnam style. Worship Wiseman style. It It was good stuff. Uh, and, then, and then finally, my 2013 is already off to a great start uh, because I don't think in 2012, I made it out to see a movie in a theater the entire year. But already in 2013, uh, my wife Julie and I had a chance last week to go see uh, Les Miserables, and it was awesome. Yes, the gas are for, for good reason. Uh, if you want to see a film that has some amazing themes that draw from really the Christian narrative, particularly the contrast of grace versus ungrace, uh, it is a great film. Uh, go see it. I, I've seen it on stage several times, and in my opinion, it's one of those films everybody loves to critique. I loved every minute of it. So go see it. Um, all right, as I said, we're going to begin a new series of sermons here at the end in January where we are going to go straight through the book of Philippians. I want to invite you in your core groups or in your individual devotional time to read this book. Uh, perhaps you want to go through it once a week, but to read through it with us uh, nonetheless uh, because it is an awesome book that unceasingly uh, points to Jesus. Now, at the same time, even though the Apostle Paul, as you'll see, gets really excited about Jesus in it, he acknowledges that there's a lot of hurdles that prevent major, that, that uh, actually provide major challenges to one's faith in Jesus. As a result, this group of people that he's writing to, this little church in a, in a town kind of out there in, in Turkey, is experiencing some major internal struggles. Given those hurdles, Paul makes the case that it is Christ that is the key to life from beginning to end. And if there's any hope for people, if there's any hope for this church to transcend their their internal struggles and their infighting, it's going to be, be because they are wholeheartedly sold out to Christ, who, as we have remembered at Christmas, is the clearest way that God says to them and to us, I want to be in relationship with you. That's what Christmas tells us. And in some ways, that's what the the Apostle Paul is reminding us of throughout Philippians. So uh, let me throw down my cards for what my hope is here in January. And that is simply that you would go all in on Jesus. That over the next month, as we hear these words of encouragement, and exhortation, you might ask, what does it mean for me to be in two feet with Jesus? Not one foot in, one foot out. What does it mean for us as a community of faith to be fully committed followers of Jesus? What's it look like for you to go all in with your life all of the time? Not just on Tuesday, not just on Sunday, all the time. 
So that's what we're going to explore together in the coming weeks. Sound all right? Since we're talking about two feet, two thumbs up if you're in, if you're with me on this exploration. Okay, I see enough. I see a little bit of tentative. That's okay. Glad you're here. Uh, let's pray and ask God to help us as we get started on this. Uh, gracious God, we, we need your help. Uh, if we're going to go all in, um, we know that, that it isn't easy because there's a lot that competes for our time, for our attention. And, and so, Lord, as we come to your word, uh, would you be present? Would you open our minds, uh, open our ears, that we might receive whatever it is that you have for us as we journey with this together? Lord, thank you uh, for this time uh, and for being present with us, and it's in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, ready? Let's take it from the top. This is uh, Philippians, beginning of chapter one. It says this, Paul and Timothy, servants of Christ Jesus to all God's holy people in Christ Jesus at Philippi, together with the overseers and deacons, grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Probably sounds exactly like you do when you walk into a door and greet your friends, right? Now, all the, what is happening in, in these first couple uh, verses is simply this is a very standard greeting in, in ancient literature. It's very typical to greet people this way. And what I want to do, even as we, we project this, you can see kind of at the top middle, you can see right where Philippi is. It was on an important trade route between Rome and Istanbul and Athens and Istanbul. Not a super significant town, but, but one of those places that everybody passes by. What I want you to understand here is that Philippi is a real place. And that what we see here is that Paul is a real person writing to real people. Sometimes when we hear these names of places or even the names of people when we read the Bible, it's easy to think that, trick ourselves into thinking that Philippi is something like you're, you're reading in Middle Earth, like it's, it's Mordor or the, or the plains of Rohan or whatever. Or that, or that to get to a place like this, you've got to find platform nine and three quarters or whatever it is, okay? No, these are real, real uh, people in a real place. This is the blessing of going on, on a pilgrimage. Some of you perhaps have been to, to Greece and seen some of these, these places. A few years ago, I had a chance to go to Israel and, and tour around there. And what was really cool was the opportunity to, to get a spatial awareness of these real places that are mentioned in Scripture. They're not just fake places. They're, they're real places. So what I want you to connect with here at, in these first couple verses is that these are real people. It happened in a real place, and it's coming from a real person. Okay, let us move onward. Verse 3. I thank my God every time I remember you, Paul says to his friends. In all my prayers for all of you, I always pray with joy because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. Being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ. It is right for me to feel this way about you since I have you in my heart. And whether I am in chains or defending and confirming the gospel, all of you share in God's grace with me. God can testify how I long for all of you with the affection of Christ Jesus. And this is my prayer, that your love may abound more and more in knowledge and depth of insight, so that you may be able to discern what is best and may be pure and blameless for the day of Christ, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. Okay, 
Two things I want you to notice about this section. First is simply that Paul has friends. He has great friends, partners in the gospel. Now, the friendship that is being discussed here, we need to understand, is well beyond the type of friendship that we might think about in a world of, of social networks and, and, and Facebook. In first century culture, friendship between equals was one of the absolute highest virtues. Aristotle is, is famously quoted as saying, friendship is a single soul dwelling in two bodies. You see, friendship was entered into very deliberately, and there was a type of reciprocity that was expected. And of course, this was the way it was with the wider culture, but it was emphasized all, that much more in the Christian culture. Friends took their friendships very seriously and went to great lengths to have each other's backs. I hope, I hope you know what I'm talking about because I hope that you have friends like this. I know I do. Uh, a story that takes us back to the late 90s before the proliferation of mobile phones and text messaging. I was living with some friends here in Seattle, actually in a fraternity not far from here, and a group of us had made some plans to connect with some friends from Spokane uh, for a concert at the Columbia River Gorge. Okay, many of you have been there. Well, even without phones, it was pretty sweet that we were actually able to find our friends when we got to the concert venue there on the lawn. Pretty cool. And we were able to have a great time, of course. Like many, we packed in some gear, some blankets, some chairs to sit in. And, and uh, it was a beautiful day. And so at one point, I take off my jacket, stuff it in my friend's backpack. We enjoy the, the concert into the evening. Time to go home, pack up our gear, and played a little bit of musical chairs in terms of, of who was riding with who on the way home. Well, for those of you that have been to the Gorge, you know that the parking situation there is brutal. It's a parking situation where it can often take more than an hour to get out of there and get back to I-90. There's, like, there's, there's two ways out. Well, as, as we're getting ready to head out, not 30 seconds after a bunch of us had gone our own ways to get to the cars that, that we were going to be riding in, I recognize, oh no, my wallet and my keys are still in the jacket that's in my friend's backpack. Oh, and by the way, it's the late 90s, so none of us have cell phones. Okay, so I go running ahead thinking, oh, I'll be able to track him down, can't find him. I go and stand at one of the two places that you can get out of the gorge, I can't find him. They don't have a cell phone. Well, long story short, my buddy Josh and, and a car full of others get all the way back to Seattle. And lucky for me, his girlfriend was actually on world deputation. So when the phone rang at 3.30 in the morning, he actually picks it up thinking it's his girlfriend calling from deputation. And he, he picks it up. His voice is all chipper. He's like, hey, what's going on? I'm like, Josh, dude, what's going on? And he's like, he's like church? And I'm like, yeah. I'm like, hey, Josh, can you do me a favor? Hey, my jacket is in your backpack. Can you check and see if my keys are in there? And, he's, and Josh is already one of the most chipper people I've ever met. He pulls out my coat. He's like, oh, yeah, dude, church, I've got your keys right here. No. I'm like, yes. He goes, where are you? I said, take one guess. And there's this silence on the, end, on the other end of the line. He just said, okay, we'll be there. Sure enough, about two and a half hours later, maybe two, Josh showed up and dropped my keys in my hand, and then we drove back to Seattle, okay? A great friend, 
at no point did, did Josh say, well, we'll come get you in the morning. There wasn't any hedging. There was just a, uh, this willingness to say, I will come and get you. That's the type of friendship I'm talking about. And the reason that I think Paul makes a big deal about this is because it is, this, it is in these friendships that, that I think we get a taste for how God desires to connect with us. And it is the way that God desires that we would treat, you, treat each other. So in this, in this section that we just read, friendship is the first thing that you have to notice, and it's a deep friendship. We can't skip over it too quickly. The second thing, it's related to this, is prayer. That within this friendship, one of Paul's great contributions is prayer. Paul prays because he believes that it is God that, it, that is at work in these people. Now, it's pretty significant that Paul wouldn't say the great work that I began in you because it is Paul who really brought these people together and founded this church in Philippi. It would have probably made a lot of sense for him to say, hey, I was the one that organized you, got your little church going, and I started a good work. But he acknowledges, no, that if there is to be any transforming, redeeming, rescuing work done in people, it is because of the work of God, the work of the Holy Spirit in them and their community. It's not just for individuals, it's for the community. The content of Paul's prayer, did you catch this, is for more. It's for depth, for discernment, for fruit. All things that come through Christ Jesus. So what I want you to notice are two things right there. Friendship and prayer. Friendship and prayer. Let's continue. Verse 12. Now I want you to know, brothers and sisters, that what has happened to me has actually served to advance the gospel. As a result, it has become clear throughout the whole palace guard and to everyone else that I am in chains for Christ. He's in prison. And because of my chains, most of the brothers and sisters have become confident in the Lord and dare all the more to proclaim the gospel without fear. Huge. It is true that some preach Christ out of envy and rivalry, but others out of goodwill, but the latter do so out of love, knowing that I am put here for the defense of the gospel. The former preach Christ out of selfish ambition, not sincerity, supposing that they can stir up trouble for me while I am in chains. But what does it matter? The important thing is that in every way, whether from false motives or true, Christ is preached. And because of this, I rejoice. Now, I love that last line. That regardless of the conditions or the motives, Christ is preached. You know, one of the, one of the critiques that I've heard over the years about the inn is people come up and say, ah, oh, you know, I, I don't really like the inn. It's too much of a meat market. It feels like people are just here to, you know, pick up people for their next date or whatever, okay? And, and you know, I'm like, oh, okay, that's, you know, there might be a little bit of truth to that. There's a lot of dating that happens here, you know, let's be honest. You guys all have your secret attractions, I know, you know, you know, you talk about it when the lights go down, whatever, okay? <laughs> Here's the deal, is that I always tell people, I don't care why people come to the inn. I rejoice because the gospel's preached. 
I know that when I was a college student, if I would have waited for me, for all my thoughts, everything going through my head to be pure before I came to the inn, I would have never come, <laughs> okay? That it's not about getting ourselves right first. It's that the gospel is, uh, it's that the gospel is preached. Now, this is all the more significant, the, what the point that Paul is making about con- the conditions that he's in. Okay, did you catch this? That the dude is in prison. Let's be honest that for, for everything, for all his enthusiasm, for everything he's, he's saying, the conditions that he is in really, really suck. Yet, he continues to preach the gospel. He doesn't wait for the conditions to be right. Now, I'm not good at a lot of things in my life. I'll be straight up on this. I'm not, there's, there's not a lot that I'm good at, but if there's anything that I'm really good at, it's procrastination, okay? If, if the family laundry gets done, it's usually not because I'm really trying to help out. It's because I'm putting something off, okay? If you ever come into my office and my desk is really, really clean, Perhaps the most honest question you could ask me is, dude, what is it that you're putting off right now? Because your desk is never that clean, unless I'm trying to to put something up. Because the way that I justify my procrastination is to say, no, 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 I'm just getting all the conditions to be right because once they're right, once my desk is clean, then I can write a really good talk, okay? Do you guys do this? Back when I was in school... Everybody, you know, like the, the big thing was before you started your homework, you know, what, you, you organized your CDs. You guys probably don't even know what CDs are, okay? But we'd have to organize them because we'd order like 75 of them through some music company in Indiana and you'd get all these CDs that you'd never pay for and then you had to organize them. Great procrastination tool. I got really, really good at it, okay? So often we trick ourselves into thinking that the conditions need to be right in order for me to do what I need to do. Paul didn't wait for conditions to be right. He continued to be a good friend. He continued praying with those friends. He continued to pursue and preach Jesus even when he was incarcerated, likely because of Jesus. The book of Acts tells us that Paul was thrown in prison when he was actually working to advance the gospel. He did some healings and got thrown into prison for it. So it's, it's, fair, it's a fair assumption for us to say he's, he's incarcerated for the very thing that he's doing, and he continues to do it and says, this is actually work to advance the gospel. He finds a new way to do gospel. You see, Paul was less concerned about the conditions and about the conditions being right and more sold out to preach the Jesus that he had come to know in relationship, that he had come to know was all from the beginning of life to the end. And he wants to communicate this to his friends with phrases like grace and peace in Christ. Until the day of Christ, with the affection of Christ, I am in chains for Christ and on and on. For the imprisoned Paul, Christ is all. I find myself struck by the fact that Paul's resolve was to find those new ways to do exactly what he was called to do. 
He looks for the ways that the gospel might be advanced, even in an unfavorable circumstance, in conditions that were terrible. It's also striking to me that given that, he doesn't write back to his friends in Philippi and say, you know what? I may have gotten this whole gospel Jesus thing all wrong. I mean, you guys are fighting. You're, you're struggling to get along. And I'm in prison. You know, it might be a little bit better if we did something a little bit different. But instead, he writes a book of a letter of encouragement an exhortation that points to the people knowing this very Jesus that much more. His message is simple. Christ is all. All in with Christ. Christ is all, all in with Christ. What do I mean? What does it mean for Christ to be all and to be all in with Christ? That is, fully committed to Christ with our entire lives. A few reflections before we sing a couple more songs. It means that we need friends. As we have discovered and will continue to observe, Paul experienced a special friendship with this group of Philippians. Friendships that I'm sure remained and encouraged him even from a distance. It's on this point that I would say, if you're not in a core group, get in a core group. If you are, invest in it deeply. Commit to it. It's an opportunity to have the type of friends that you need to grow in Christ. To be all in with Christ is to be in relationship with Christ and with others. When it was in college where I finally came to a place of where I really found that I believed that the gospel was true. Now, even as I discovered that, I was not necessarily living that way. The way that I discovered how to live in this all-in way with Jesus was by watching my friends in the fraternity. I watched guys in the house live out their faith, and it was really by watching them that I gained a vision for what it meant to live out a life in response to God's grace. I had friends ask me questions and really listen. I watched friends go on these, these mission trips that proved meaningful and formative. I saw friends turn down prominent internships to go on deputation and serve around the world for two months. In asking you to go all in with Jesus, I'm not asking you to be more religious. I'm asking you to be more relational because that's what Christmas reminded us of. Following Jesus is about relationship. It's about being in relationship with others and being in relationship with Christ. It shows us, it reminds us that this is the way that God wants to be in relationship with us. It's a friendship. It's a sharing. It's a participating together. You need friends and you need to be a friend. Two, it means you need to pray. If there's anything that I'm tempted to make a New Year's resolution on, it's my prayer life. For me, prayer is often very unnatural, probably because I get too religious in it and not relational enough. It's something that I struggle with. To be all in means that we are committed to praying no matter what the conditions are. Often I want to try and find the right conditions in which to pray. Paul didn't wait for that. 
Perhaps your resolve needs to be that you will pray more in secret and you will do it more often. Perhaps it means you need to pray with friends directly out in the open. I'll let you choose, but no matter what, being all in with Jesus means that we are going to be praying more. Finally, commit. This is really what this entire series is about. So often we get caught in doing things the same way. We've got one foot in and one foot out. We'll pursue Jesus when it's convenient. On a Tuesday night, on a Sunday night, but everything in between, really, there's no guarantee. What I'm asking for is all the time. Commit even when the conditions are not necessarily right. Often, I, I hear people talking about, when this happens, then I will do that. When I get married, I will stop sleeping around. When I have more time, I will read the Bible. When I have more money, that's when I will give. We're waiting for the conditions to be right. I want you to commit to following Jesus now, even if it's inconvenient, even if it's hard, even if it requires a change. Why? Why does the Apostle Paul encourage this, and why can I stand up in front and, and give that challenge. Because God has stepped into our unfavorable conditions. He did so as a baby. He did so as Jesus. And entered into a relationship with us, with humanity, that offers rescue and redemption. And God can handle it. Whatever condition you may find yourself in right now, do you know that Jesus can handle it? You don't have to get yourself right first. Jesus can handle it. Christ is all. All in with Christ. What's the hurdle? You need to hop over. What's the hurdle that Jesus is calling you across to meet, to meet with you? Consider that. He who began a work in you will see it through to completion. As the worship band comes up, let me read a couple, couple more verses from the end of chapter one and we'll pray and sing a few more songs. Let's hear even these words as a prayer, kind of, of the response. It says, whatever happens, as citizens of heaven, live in a manner worthy of the gospel of Christ. Then whether I come and see you or only hear about you in my absence, I will know that you stand firm in one spirit, striving together with one accord for the faith of the gospel without being frightened in any way by those who oppose you. Let's pray. Lord, help us to be all in. Give us the courage to do that. Help us to know that you are strong enough and that you can do it, that you can rescue us, that you can redeem us. Lord, simply that you love us. Lord, thank you for who you are uh, and that you can be trusted. Now help us in 2013. 
Help us as we journey together. Uh, Help us to know you more. In Jesus' name, amen.